You need to think about your teams as people, as human beings, as teams, as a collection of, of humans, of people, um, and you treat them that way. Jeff Lejeune studied computer science at Waterloo, and he got his first full-time job through a co-op term. After graduation, he worked in network management for a telecom company, and he's been working in the Canadian tech sector ever since. But over time, his career took him further from the actual tech and more entrenched with the people who build it. Today, he's the VP of Engineering at Magnet Forensics, where he leads a team building software that helps investigate cyber attacks and digital crime. That team includes a number of co-op students, and just like Jeff, they often return as full-time team members after graduation. Jeff joins the podcast to walk us through his career journey, offer advice for aspiring managers, and also explain the influence co-op students have at Magnet Forensics. Keep listening. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the episode with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a great, great opportunity for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It is great to have you. Um, and so I want to start with your time at Waterloo. I was surprised to hear that you did not come here for computer science. You came into a different program. What program did you originally come into and why did you transfer? Yeah, I, I mean, I started in math. So I knew, you know, in high school, I was really, uh, I enjoyed math and computer science. I went to high school in, in Kitchener. So I was very familiar with the University of Waterloo. I knew I wanted to do something in, in math um, and getting the Bachelor of Mathematics was very important to me. And Waterloo was one of only two schools at the time that you could get it. So, so yeah, I knew it was going into math, but, I, but you're right. I originally was thinking about actuarial science. Um, I really enjoyed computer science. And, but um, in, in my last year of high school, um, I was talking to a classmate who was also going to Waterloo and he was talking about actuarial science. And I thought, wow, that, that actually sounds kind of interesting, like a real world application of math right i didn't i didn't want to be an academic um but uh so i thought well that actually sounds really cool so when i started at waterloo um my intention was was actuarial science um but then you know i, I there a couple things sort of changed my mind um uh one was you know just the number of exams you have to take to become an actuary um, there's a lot that would even continue after university. And that just, for me, that just wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> and, and I say this next part with no offense to any actuaries or actuarial students who, who might be listening. I have a huge amount of respect for that work, but for me, like I'm simplifying, but like, you know, complicated math to determine when people are going to die. So, you know, how much to charge them for life insurance. Like, yeah, I just thought maybe that's, that's not for me. So, um, yeah, so I switched my focus to computer science. Yeah, uh, I mean, totally fair. You know what? I think a lot of people switch programs. I switch programs as well. And, um, it, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you don't yeah, know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you get in and something's not quite what you think. Um, so, all right, you did. So you did computer science uh, through the rest of your degree. And you also did some co-op terms, right. which led to um, a a beginning of your career that was pretty technical work, uh, working on networks and, you know, software development, but you eventually started taking more opportunities in management. When did that begin? And was it something that you'd always wanted to do? I, I didn't, I didn't start my career thinking I want to be a manager. I want to get into management, right? I, I loved 
the work that I was doing um, in computer science. I loved writing code. I loved everything about it. You know, I could, I could type, it was magical, right? I could type these things in and then the computer would do what I asked it to do. And I could change these things and it would do something different. Like it just, I, I loved um, that aspect of, of my role. Um, and so, no, I, I didn't really start out thinking I'm trying to get into management as, you know, as soon as possible. Um, but what, what really, um, I was reflecting on this when, you know, you, after you and I were chatting, what kind of, I think, sparked it for me really early in my career, the team I was on, we had a co-op student from the University of Waterloo, um, mm-hmm. and he was struggling on our team. He wasn't, um, he wasn't contributing to the level that, you know, that we wanted him to. And I know he was frustrated. He didn't feel like he could contribute um, the way he wanted to. And so my manager came to me one day and she said, you know, he'd been working with, with another person on the team on a different aspect of what we're working on. She said, um, you know, he's, he's struggling a bit. Do you think um, he could work with you? Would you be willing to sort of, you know, have him work alongside you and what you're working on and, and kind of, you know, uh, coach and, and mentor him? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'm happy to, happy to give it a try. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't come up with like some five-step plan to make this person like super successful, right? It's just, I treated him the way co-op terms that I had where I felt successful the way I had been treated. And so I just engaged with him and treated him um, in, in that way. Um, and he did really well um, for the rest of his term. And so towards the end of the term, my manager asked me to help her do his co-op evaluation for the school. And we were filling it out. And I can't remember, he got to like good or very good for the end of the term, not the path he was on at the start of the term. He ended up, you know, with a good or very good rating. Um, and I, 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 it hadn't, it hadn't kind of dawned on me, but she said to me, you know, um, you should feel really good about how you helped him get to here. And I, you know, again, I hadn't really thought of it in that context. And, and, and so that was kind of the spark where I sort of thought about, wow, you know, I kind of realized that the way I interact with other people on my teams can have a positive impact on them. And, you know, and it was kind of a, yeah, it was sort of the spark that led me to, to take more interest in, in doing those kind of things. And that eventually led into formal leadership and, and management. And that's what's set me on the path to, to where I am today. Uh, so cool that it's also a co-op story because uh, we'll talk about co-op again later. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, that sort of work is really rewarding um, as well. I think, you know, there there is a lot of work um, that comes with hiring people and hiring co-op students as well, of course. Um, but it's really rewarding work and really important. Um, so that's, so that's great to hear that that's really how you got started. So that kind of led you, like you said, down a path of taking on more and more management. And now you're really more focused on the management than you Mm -hmm. are on the technical stuff. But how do you think that your technical experiences at the, at the beginning of your career have helped you as you've moved along? Yeah, I, I think, um, leading a, a, you know, technical teams, leading an, you know, an organization, um, that's very technically focused. You, you have to have a certain amount of, of technical acumen. Um, I don't, for the role I do today, I don't think specifically my computer science degree necessarily helps me. Um, it obviously helped me, you know, get my career started. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, today, like my computer science degree didn't teach me how to do pivot tables in Excel or, you know, format PowerPoint <laughs> presentations, but uh, um, certainly, a, you, know, you know, a certain amount of, of technical acumen, I, I, you know, I think is really important um, for a leader in, in a technical organization, but there's lots of great ways um, that, that folks can get that. I, 
I've got a number of leaders um, in my organization today who didn't come from you know either um, a testing or or a, a development background. They came into high tech through other routes and have built their their technical acumen that way and and translated that into into great leadership roles. Mm, that's really interesting, and I think something that's very common in, in in tech and you know there are lots of boot camps and different things to help people feel comfortable doing that. So that's yeah. really great and and interesting to hear. So I want to talk a little more about the management side of things now, because I think that, um, you know, there might be people starting out their career who want to be entrepreneurs or who, uh, you know, want to climb the management ladder. Uh, But you don't necessarily learn a lot about management uh, in, in university unless you're setting out to take specific courses about it. And if you spend any time on LinkedIn or reading business publications, you likely know that um, managers are really important. Um, They play a critical role. Bad managers can really mess things up. They lead to high turnover, low performance, and lost revenue as well. Um, And so I'm wondering, as someone who has found success as a manager, what advice would you give people who want to jump into uh, managing their own team? Yeah, I I think the... the, um... The hardest part. So, so I talk about this a lot with with leaders and people who express interest in in leadership. That that transition from an individual contributor to a leader, like that, that's a big step um, for people to make. And and where I've seen people struggle, and this isn't just my observation. Like I said, you know, there's books written about this. Lots of over the last kind of five to ten years, a lot of the tech companies have kind of realized this. Is that it's it's difficult for people if you've been a highly successful individual contributor, right? You're the person who gets the meaty, um, you know, feature work or, or, you know, or things like that because, uh, you know, because of your skills, you're the person who gets to lead a project, um, you know, because of, of the work that you're the person that people come to when, you know, a customer issue is on fire and, and they know that, you know, you can help solve it. Um, transitioning from that to being the one who, as a leader, you can't be that person anymore. You need to mm-hmm. enable um, and 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 empower the people on your team to and your team as a whole to be um, that. And that's difficult sometimes for people to 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 make that transition um, because you can't. Um, you, you know, you touched, touched on this earlier. It's it's hard to sort of measure your contribution to that if you're not the one who actually like resolved the problem. If it was somebody on your team, now. People have definitely uh, done that. People, you know, can successfully make that transition, but you got to be really conscious about um, how your role has changed relative to that. How, you know, like I talked about, it's about um, empowering and enabling the people on your team as opposed to you being the one who's, who, you know, is always the one who can can step in and, and solve those problems. So I think that that's, um, you know, something that people really need to, to kind of consciously be aware of when, when they take that, that first step um, in, into leadership. Jeff, that is amazing advice. And uh, I have to say, you're coming at this as a, as a technical leader, but as someone who's worked in um, more creative fields my entire career, it is so true in those fields as well. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think uh, that's part of the reason why the agency I worked for uh, was so great because there's such a structured hierarchy in creative agencies that, you know, the people you report into um, aren't necessarily doing that work or leading those projects. It's really important that managers are focused on managing. Exactly. 
Yeah. So uh, another thing that people, um, I think, struggle with when they get into management and that there's been there's been a lot of um, I think there's been quite a bit of writing about this as well, uh, is the push and pull between leadership and workers, especially for middle management. How do you juggle that and how have you juggled that throughout your career? Yeah, you know, um it's 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 again and in fact i saw i was um, browsing linkedin this morning saw an adam grant post um and that really resonated with something i was thinking about relative to to this question um it's really and and again this is unique to me like there's lots of people who, who've written about this um adam grant talks about it a lot right um I, you need to think about your teams as people as mm-hmm. human beings as teams as a collection of of humans of people um, and you treat them that way, right? Like I've I've joked to my team a couple of times. I mean, you're not just lines on a spreadsheet. Well, you are lines on a spreadsheet, but you're more than lines on a spreadsheet. <laughs> you are you are actually humans and people. And it, you know, it sounds trivial. It's not easy. But if you if you um, our, our CEO um, Adam Belcher, he talks about this quite a bit. He comes from a sales background, and mm-hmm. and um, what he talks about, what he's kind of learned, and and some mentors have advised him: focus on the inputs. You focus on the inputs, the things that you can control, the outputs right, in a sales context, like your, your sales quotas, like they'll take care of themselves if you focus on the inputs. And so for me, and what I talk about, what I think about, what I talk about with my leaders is in that context, like what do we, we focus on the people, we focus mm-hmm. on our teams as collections of people. You know, if you, um, if we, we need to do what we can as leaders to enable our people and to enable our teams to be successful, like I touched on earlier, right? So we need to, to do the things that we can to help them be effective. Um, sometimes it means adding process to, you know, to, to smooth things out. Sometimes it means removing process where it gets in the way uh, of what people are trying to do. Um, you know, we need to give people work that's rewarding to them, that's meaningful, that gives them the opportunities to learn and to grow um, and to give your teams as teams opportunities to learn and to grow. And if you do that, if you focus on focus on the inputs, if you focus on people and you focus on those things, um, then the other stuff kind of takes right that you'll have a, a more engaged, a more motivated um, uh, you, you work for it, right? Your people will be well they're gonna give, they're gonna be invested in giving everything that they can to, to make the team and, and therefore then the company successful and that, that Absolutely, is going to result in in better end products, better experience for our customers, um, which which leads to to more success. Yeah, that's great. I have never heard uh, that saying before, and maybe I will use it from <laughs> from now on because uh, I can see how it would be applicable to lots of different places. Yeah. Um, and so, speaking of learning opportunities and growing um, your workers and making them feel like they are part of something, um, I mean, all of this is very applicable to co-op experiences mm. as well. You you received your first job offer from a co-op employer well before you actually graduated, right, and now that, that story is coming full circle because, um, well, like you said, you started out managing with a co-op student, but also as part of the leadership team at Magnet, you're, you're an active co-op employer right now. Mm. Can you tell me a bit more about why Magnet hires so many co-op students and what benefits do you get and then what benefits do you offer as yeah. well? Um, 
So, it, like I said, you know, I, I did co-op at, at the University of Waterloo. It was a fantastic experience for me. You know, you have work terms that are better than others, but overall, it was a fantastic experience. It set me, uh, you know, up for, for a great career. And so there's there's an element of, um, you know, wanting to, to give some of that back, to give, um, you know, students of today those same kinds of opportunities to, to you know, get them, um, to enable them to kickstart their careers as well. Um, so there's, you know, there's an element of giving back. Um, we hire within engineering um, here at Magnet. I've got at any given time, we've got probably 16 to 18 students um, just within engineering. And I know there's wow. other groups within <laughs> Magnet that, that hire students as well. They play a really important and valuable role within our team. Like, and, and one of the things, and again, this isn't necessarily unique to us. Lots of companies do this, but we, we, where we have a lot of success with students is because we give them real work to do. We did, we treat them like they're quote unquote real members of the team, right? We don't treat them any differently than we do a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Whatever the team is working on, that's what the students are, are working on at that same time. Whatever the team is going through, the students are going through. When the team's celebrating, the students get to celebrate, you know, just as much. And when we're doing social things, the students are just as included as, as everybody else. And, and so the work that they're doing is is the same as a full-time employee um, on the team. And, uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, we get like really valuable work um, out of those students um, as a result. They, you know, they bring fresh perspective. They're, they're eager to learn. So they're eager to try new things. Um, and so they, you know, they're, they're willing to jump in and do whatever is needed for, you know, to help the team uh, be successful because that helps them learn um, and helps them grow. So, yeah, we see we see a ton of value out of out of the work that our students do, and they contribute uh, across the organization. Mm, yeah. Um, so, do you also hire them uh, as full time employees after their terms are done? We do. Yeah. So, um, I, I, in fact, I put out three offers this week for students that are here now that go back to school in September and graduate next year, and we. Um, like my experience that you touched on, we want them um, to go back to school with that full-time offer in hand and kind of take some of the pressure off their final year. And we, we'd love to have them back um, when they graduate. So yeah, we've done that. We've done that every year. One year, we put 10 offers out and nine of them accepted. Um, yeah. And then through the course of the year, one of them, some personal things changed. But of the 10 that we offered, um, like eight joined us full-time the following year. It was, it was fantastic. So yeah, we definitely try and do that uh, every year. Uh- Wow. So this, it really is a great opportunity. Um, I mean, you've really laid it out that it's a great opportunity for both sides, for the Mm. club students and also the employers. Do you have any advice for people who want to start hiring co-op students, but haven't done it before? Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I, honestly, you know, um, like I said, we get so much value. I, I highly recommend it to everybody. And one of the things so that that um, couple of couple of things to to think about. Um, interviewing co-op students is a little bit different than than interviewing full timers, right? Because we're not, especially more junior students, right? They're not necessarily going to have the programming languages that we need. They're not going to have. They're definitely not going to have years of experience on the technologies that we use. So we interview for um, like aptitude and and um, uh, and attitude, right? So we want people that that want to learn, that know that they're not coming in with, you know, with everything that team's working on, but want to learn those things and are keen to just contribute. And so you have to have people that, that when they do those interviews, right, 
it's not about asking questions like how many ping pong balls can you fit in a school bus, right? It's really trying to tease out whether um, whether that student has the um, has you know uh, has the attitude towards learning um, that they're really going to dive in and learn and and want to to contribute. And so you know, pick, carefully picking people to to do those interviews, I think, is really important. Where we've seen um, it's been great is um, uh, former students, right? So they've been on the other side of the table, maybe not that long ago, and are really interested in in themselves, sort of practicing for interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they remember what it was like, um, you know, to be that student, um, they've got sort of that that perception of of you know what could make uh, a great student. So that's often a great way for for people to start practicing doing doing interviews uh, is is through students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as someone who interviews co-op students every term, I can say that like I also have become a better interviewer right. <laughs> because yeah. I'm doing it regularly. Um, co-op students, I think really uh, working with them and hiring them really make you realize the things that you could improve as well with your communication. <laughs> uh, and it's really rewarding. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is it is a lot of work for us having 16 students every semester like you know we we spend a lot of time doing interviewing um but we we absolutely believe that that it's worth the effort yeah great so d- does magnet forensics hire every term we do awesome so if you're a student and you're listening to this um, check out Magnet Hi. Forensics. Uh, yeah. And you hire more than uh, just technical or software roles, right? You hire all across uh, the company. That's right. Yeah, we have um, certainly roles in marketing. Recently, I've seen our sales teams um, have some students too, which has been been great to see. Um, I think our IT team um, has been, you know, had a student uh, a couple of times. So yeah, we just across the whole organization. So lots of, you know, like a really wide variety of skills that we're looking for. There you go, co-op, not just for engineers and exactly. computer scientists. Uh, Jeff, this has been great uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing some of your career journey and your knowledge uh, from your time managing teams. Uh, it's been really great to talk to you and learn from oh, you. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, this has been fun and I yeah, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please follow, subscribe, rate, like, whatever your podcast player lets you do. After listening to Jeff's story, I hope you're feeling inspired to hire some Waterloo Co-op students. To learn more and receive a hiring package, tap the link in this episode description. Uncharted Warriors in the World is produced and hosted by me, Meg Vanderwood. Aju Chow is our editor. Aju and I are both alumni and staff at the University of Waterloo.